tendency, which is why Paul says you have to take on the mind of Christ. You need the spirit in you to sense and see these things because it's foolishness to the Greeks and it's scandal to the Jews, but to those who are being saved, it's life. The transformation that is happening in repentance is everything. You are turning completely towards a new perspective, a new way of being and seeing, and now it is being shaped by Jesus, who is the expression of the kingdom of God. Because what happens when Jesus shows up? When Jesus shows up, well, this is actually him teaching to, uh, teaching to the disciples, but he talks to them and he says when he tells them to heal the sick, he tells them to say this, once you've healed those people who are sick, he says, tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Because in the kingdom, as we think forward maybe to the future of heaven, there's no sickness, there's no pain, there's no death. The presence of the kingdom means the wholeness of the body. The wholeness of the body. Whatever ailment is present in us, body, mind, maybe a broken heart. I don't know, whatever it is that you're carrying. Like This healing, this wholeness is something that is happening as the kingdom of God shows up. Another thing that happens as the kingdom of God shows up. Jesus is arguing with with some Pharisees because he's casting out demons. And they accuse him of being in league with demons. That's why he has control over them. And he says, well, that is really silly I can't imagine Satan sending me to cast demons out. Usually he wants demons in. So, of course, it doesn't make any sense. right? But here it is. If the finger of God, I cast out demons, then what? The kingdom of God has come upon you. That the kingdom of God, when it presents itself, forces darkness out. Those principalities, those powers, unseen and seen, these forces of darkness don't have a place in the kingdom of God. We think forward to the future. We think about the book of Revelation. In those passages, the the Revelation talks about there's no evil present in that kingdom. It is light, and it is those who are drawing near to God the Father. Another element of the kingdom is this puzzling little element we have here. Very famous. You've heard this before. Truly, I say to you, whenever or whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. If you can't receive the kingdom like a child, you can't enter it. Now, for, again, I think I've talked about this before, but just as a way of reminder, remember that this is not sentimentality. Jesus isn't saying, look at these nice children and how bubbly and faithful they are. Children were on the same level of slaves in those days. Same level of slaves. When you think about those who had authority or importance, the people you poured your life out to, it wasn't your children. Your children were expected to grow up. That's how they thought. So Jesus is talking about an inversion of reality where now instead of following the people who are big and important and powerful and wealthy and all of that, we begin to look down this way and see, oh, they actually understand the kingdom a little bit better. Just a few verses later, Jesus makes this point even stronger in the story of the rich young ruler. In the story of the rich young ruler, we read this. Jesus seeing how difficult and sad it was because what he had just told this rich young ruler to do is to sell everything he has, give up his privilege, his position, and his power, and to come and follow Jesus. And the man went away very sad. And Jesus says, how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. In every other situation in life, this is what you want And this is not what you want. You don't want to be called a child. That's belittling. You want to be called 
wealthy, powerful, of influence, of note. And Jesus says in the kingdom of God, these things don't work like that. The kingdom is different. If you're going to take this on, it's going to require repentance. That is a transformation of the way you understand what matters and who can help you find it. These transformations, these things, the kingdom is so big, it is so massive, it is calling for so much. This vision is so big that it caused people to ask Jesus, when is this going to happen? You're talking a big game, Jesus. We'd like to see some of this stuff take place. Prove it. Well, I mean, he's done some healings. <laughs> he should take that. But, but nevertheless, this passage is exactly what I'm talking about. The Pharisees say to Jesus, you're talking a big game. The stuff that you're teaching us, the things that you're asking for, the things that you're describing, when is it going to happen? Why are they thinking that? Remember, because they have in their mind the warrior king. What will the Messiah do? He will show up, he'll put on his crown, he'll raise his army, and he will build a kingdom because that's how you build kingdoms. How do you get more land, people? You take it, right? You buy it, you steal it, you, you do something to achieve. You get it somehow by having something bigger or something more. You take it. But Jesus shows up and he says, I didn't come to take I came to give. I didn't come to demand. Jesus invites us to follow him. God invites, have you thought about how insane that statement is? God, who made you, who created everything, doesn't tell you, invites you. What an incredible, what an incredible thing God is doing. And what are they expecting? The Pharisees, they have expected this thing to come, this big splashy thing. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. It's not this big splashy thing. Nor will it be, uh, nor will they say, look, here it is. Or therefore, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's present amongst us. This brings about the great theological term or phrase, the now and the not yet. That is, as Jesus is present, there are all sorts of things that are happening, but yet there is still so much more to come. We see Jesus raise the dead. Jesus himself is raised from the dead, but not all of the dead are raised. So we sense that there's a now and a not yet. My best explanation for this is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, you know, that kind of fake holiday we do as a dress rehearsal for Christmas. You're in that now of the Thanksgiving. You've got food. You've got some family and friends. You've got some good specials. You know, Miracle on 34th Street, Thanksgiving, Charlie Brown. These are okay. But, I mean, Christmas. I mean, lights and it's Christmas, you know. So you're happy with your now of the Thanksgiving and the meals. But the not yet that is to come is so much Greater, And in this sense, our experience of the kingdom can be very much now. But there is so much more that we are still anticipating. So there's a beauty that we can have. That right, so I think of um, that passage in Revelation. My whole life I kind of grew up hearing this passage of Revelation where God wipes away every tears from our eyes. How many of you heard that passage before? How many of you found comfort in that passage before the idea that God would wipe away every tear from our eyes. Guess what you can do today? You can wipe away the tears from somebody's eyes. 
You can sit with the dying. You can sit with the hurting. You can weep with those who weep. You can laugh with those who laugh. You can do what you see God doing right now. You can bring that kingdom nearer right now. And that's why that top line and that vision thing we gave is this thing that's just been bouncing around in many of our heads, bringing the kingdom nearer. We don't bring the kingdom. Jesus brought the kingdom near. But we can continue to take the next steps in the direction he pointed us as we strive to do exactly what we see God doing working with, living with, breathing with, being with those who are hurting, those who are in need, those who have not heard good news. Right now things are crazy. Can I get a witness? We can all agree on that, yes? Crazy right now. Crazy right now. And I don't need to enumerate all of those reasons, nor do I need to enumerate the things that will make it even crazier. But I want you to notice something about Jesus and his disciples. They were bearers of good news. Good news. Good news. We have enough bearers of bad news out there. We are the people who bear good news. What should be found on our lips? Good news. And what is that good news? Repent, the kingdom of God has come near. There is no other news that matters but this news. There is a new king, and he has called you to his side to comfort, to alleviate, and to send you out to do his work. That is good news. We have believed so much bad news. Turn on the news. Trump is the worst person alive. Flip the channel. Biden's the worst person alive. They're all wrong. I'm the worst person alive. I am. I am. We believe bad news about everybody. We believe bad news about the people we don't know. We believe bad news about the people we don't like. And when we hear bad news about people we know and do sort of like, our ears still perk up, don't they? We love bad news. If you would repent and turn to Jesus, you would be a person of good news. Good news would be on your lips. Good news would be in your heart. Good news would be your message all day long because what could compare to that? What could matter more than that? Good news. We are the good news people. Now the question, brothers and sisters, that we face when we look in the mirror is, are you, am I, good news people? Because the kingdom has not come in its fullness. It is coming in its fullness. Every knee will bow and every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is king to the glory of God the Father. No one will be left out of that. But today, today matters too. The kingdom can come nearer today too. And one of the ways that we want to strive or some of the ways we want to strive to do that I want to give to you briefly Now, Senior Saints has kicked off an opportunity for you to get together with people, to have conversations. They're outside, it's socially distanced. It's happening this Tuesday. An opportunity for you to be present with others, to have prayer, to converse, to share your fears, your, your, your pains, whatever it is. Renew, we already have a women's Bible study that's been going on for many, many years. This is not a women's Bible study. This is a women's group that gathers together to meet and have conversations and share the parts of life that they're struggling with in the moment. You want to talk with them? See Lisa Irwin, Carrie Funk, Laura Kelly. I should have said Adrian is heading up Senior Saints with Rick and Jean. 
helping out where they can. We've got one Sunday school. Sunday school has been a weird thing right now. Obviously, with COVID, we've had a lot of difficulty. Scott Dunphy has been leading a Sunday school group. You can plug and play. Anytime you want to come to church a little early and get some good teaching from the Word, come and see. If you want to know what they're doing, see Scott. He would love to talk with you about Scripture. I would love to talk to you about Scripture. I would love to talk to you about Scripture. If you are not an in-person studier, that is fine. We have our Wednesday night Bible study that is running on Facebook Live. You do not need a Facebook account to plug into this. You can just type in Oakland Drive Christian Church, Facebook, boom, go on and watch. Paul lead a Bible study. He's been working on this for many, many months. And you'll get that with the, the wisdom of Beth and Brad. We'll call them the wise ones. Where, there's Beth. Where's it? I don't, Brad's not here. He's helping somewhere else. Uh, Adventure Club, we thought that we were going to kind of close this down, but it ends up that we are going to keep the Adventure Club going. It won't do as quite as many events. And the focus of Adventure Club is going to be getting us together to have fun together. I feel like in church we get together to have Bible studies. We used to get together to do a lot of potlucks and sometimes prayers and things like that. But fun is sometimes left out of the mix. But if any of you have been married or with somebody for any length of time, you know that laughter does a lot of healing. That brings people together. Fun brings people together. And so this is one of those community events. So these will be focused mostly on sports events and things like that. But see Paul or Ellen or Eric Dush if you want to be a part of that. This one is a brand new kind of thing, piggybacking on something that John had started last year, but kind of a COVID care team where Chris Smith has been manning this, and maybe you've seen some things that have gone out to the kids, these little areas of trying to encourage people. We don't know unless you tell us. We don't know unless you tell us. If somebody's struggling or somebody's hurting or if, if somebody's lonely or somebody doesn't have enough food, if, no, if nobody tells us, we don't know, right? So we, we need these kinds of help. So if you know of somebody who is in need of care, somebody who needs a little extra encouragement, somebody who has a physical need, give Chris Smith a call. He's kind of manning this up for the current, for the current moment. Um, the last thing, uh, Verdant City, uh, is a project that I have been working on with two other churches in the Kalamazoo area, uh, Trenches Community Church and Edison Chapel. Both of those areas are kind of underserved areas. And one of the things that if you pay attention to areas uh, where there is a lot of poverty, they often lack a lot of basic necessities like laundromats and grocery stores because those are mature markets that don't make a lot of money. So the idea of going to a place that doesn't have a lot of money already and trying to get them to give you their money is an idea that most investors don't want to go about. If you were to go seven miles down the road here into Kalamazoo, you would be in Edison's neighborhood. The median, uh, the, uh, the average income of somebody who lives in Portage is $60,000. In Edison, it's $16,000. Seven miles and our economic disparity is massive. It is a community that needs something. And uh, as I was in conversation with Rod from Edison Chapel, I found out that they needed a laundromat there. And I had this idea about 10 years ago in Tennessee. Um, it was an evangelistic idea originally. The idea being that 
you can't really share Jesus with anyone in 30 seconds. You could say something like, where are you going to go when you die? And you could kind of get a little bit of that. But really, the stuff that I just shared with you about the kingdom, that stuff that we just talked about, that is far more big and far more difficult, requires a little bit more time. And usually you need at least five invitations before somebody will go to church with you to hear a gospel message or something. And so one of the way, things that we struggle with as churches is being present with people, just being present with people and getting to know people who are different from us. And a laundromat, you're there for a few hours, aren't you? It's an opportunity for a church to be present in there, to be kind, to be sharing, to be able to be there, to have conversations with anyone who might want to, to pray with people. There is an opportunity there for the church to be present with the community that is in need, and we know a community that has a need. And so these three churches, along with a few others, we're trying to start a uh, nonprofit that will build those. And the idea being then that as we begin this actual process, most of it's paperwork right now, but once it actually begins going, it'll be an opportunity for ODCC and, and many other churches to go into those areas and to be present, to serve, to be with, to share the gospel with, to pray with, to weep, to laugh, to mourn, to be with a place and with the people who are really in need, who are our neighbors. I'm really excited about that project. I could talk about it forever because I've done most of the research with it, but... Um, but uh, if you want to know more about any of these, any of these kind of renewed or new um, things that are going on, see these people. I want to end with this quote. This is a quote that I found uh, in a little book. It's about 150 years old called Dare We Be Christians. I like it. I like being dared. Those who take up the propaganda of love and substitute freedom and fraternity for coercion and class differences in social life are the pioneers of the kingdom of God. For the reign of the God of love will be fulfilled in a life of humanity organized on the basis of solidarity and love. That's how they used to write 100 years ago too. (laughs) But the thing that to me stands out that I love so much is this. The propaganda of love. Boy, we hear a lot of propaganda. How many of you getting texts from strange numbers about who you're going to vote for? <laughs> We're getting all kinds of propaganda. All kinds of propaganda. What I want to encourage you to be is to be a propagandist yourself. To be somebody who has propaganda of the kingdom, propaganda of love, propaganda for Jesus. That we are the people who are calling out, there is a way. There is a God. There is salvation. There is a better life. There is more. There is good news. And it is located here in the gospel of Jesus that the kingdom of God has come near and it will come in its fullness. And so we need to get on board with the program of Jesus now. Experience life now. Feel life now. Let us become the people of love. Let us be the propagandists of love. Let's stand. I want to pray. Then we'll, uh, we'll close with the song and some announcements. Lord God, I lift up uh, John Tyler and the Tyler family as he has lost his father. Lord, grant every, every kind of peace to them. Lord, I lift up the Smiths and the Thomases and Eugene as he begins to prepare to go home. Lord, be with Barbara 
and be with the family, be with everyone. Lord, raise your church up around those who are hurting. Break our hearts that we might love those who are suffering. Make us more graceful. Make us more forgiving. Make us more like your son. Teach us the propaganda of love and make us so excited about it that we can't stop giving the good news about you. We thank you, we praise you, we lift up the names of those who are hurting and we ask for your grace upon everyone. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and through the Spirit, amen.